Here is your Radio Theater Channel weekly podcast for download. The RTC still has the very best old-time radio on the live streaming. And if it's music you love, tune in to the RTC Music Channel, where this link and many others are on our website at oldtimeradiolisten.com. Now, here's Jim. Hello and welcome to the RTC Weekly Download. I'm your host, Jim Dolan, and today we have some comedy and some police work to do. We'll start off with the police work. We're off to New York City for an episode of The Lineup and Shooting in Park Hill from 1950. Then comes an episode of Jack Benny, and I'll tell you more about that in 30 minutes. Right now, The Lineup. Wrigley's Spearmint Chewing Gum, the refreshing, delicious treat that gives you chewing enjoyment, presents for your listening enjoyment, The Lineup. Ladies and gentlemen, in just a moment, we will take you by transcription behind the scenes of a police headquarters in a great American city, where under the cold, glaring lights will pass before us the innocent, the vagrant, the thief, the murderer. This is the lineup. Wrigley's Spearmint Chewing Gum refreshes you. Wrigley's Spearmint Chewing Gum gives you real chewing enjoyment. Yes, for chewing enjoyment plus refreshment, it's Wrigley's Spearmint Chewing Gum. The lively, delicious flavor of Wrigley's Spearmint cools your mouth, helps keep your throat moist, and gives you a nice little lift. The good, smooth chewing of Wrigley's Spearmint helps keep you feeling fresh and alert, adds enjoyment to whatever you're doing. So for chewing enjoyment plus refreshment, Treat yourself often to Wrigley's Spearmint Chewing Gum. Healthful, refreshing, delicious. Cabot's here. I put him down the front row. Murph's sitting with him. Okay. Want one? Yeah, thanks. How many tonight? Uh, 32. Hey, what'd you think of that ball game today? I've got a theory. Yeah? You win a pennant in spring training camp when everybody's anxious to play ball. What about the regular games? Routine. DeRosha know about this? I'm gonna call him tonight and tell him. Huh? May I have your attention, please? You people out there on the other side of the wire in the audience room, may I have your attention, please? I'll take it back here. Okay, but... Thank you. My name is Cogger, Sergeant Pete Cogger. I'll explain the lineup to you. Each of the suspects you will see will be numbered. I'll call off a number, their name and charge. If you have any questions or identifications, please remember the number assigned to the prisoner as I call his name. At the end of each line, when I ask for questions or identifications, call out the number. If you're sure or not too sure of the suspect, have him held. The questions I ask these suspects in natural tone of voice... So do not pay too much attention to their answers as they often lie. All right, bring on the line. Keep it moving, boys. Right over here to the end of the stage. Come on, come on. Now turn and face the front. Hands at your sides. When I call your number, step out to the circle and face the audience. Keep your head up, eyes straight ahead. Talk right out so everybody can hear what you have to say. Number one, Earl Shell, Grand Theft Auto. Step out, Earl. Right there. Now, where do you live? Fourteen in a rough Don't look at me, Earl. Look at the audience. That's it. What's the house number there? Fourteen eighty a rough How long you lived in this city? All my life. Are you married? We're separated, but I guess I'm still married. You own a car? No. Driving a new Buick around town a couple of nights ago, weren't you? Yeah, yeah. Stand up straight. Take your hands out of your pockets. Own a gun? No. What about the Webley Fosbury automatic you were carrying when the officers arrested you? Yeah, my gun. I don't own it. Never owned a gun in my life. What do you do? Hmm? What's your business? How do you make a living? Work in hotels, mostly. Doing what? Last time I hot belt at the firm on over on credit. How long did that last? Three weeks. Okay, Earl. Step back. Yeah. Number two, Stanley Goodman, armed robbery. What's your address, Stanley? 216 Comer Avenue. What's that? Oh, uh... Motel, Yellow Ice, I think the name of it. Uh, take off your glasses. 
You wear them all the time? Most of the time. Were you wearing them yesterday afternoon? Uh, I don't remember. Talk up, Stanley. It's a long way to the back of the room. I, I don't know if I was wearing them or not. That's better. Uh, put them back on. How long you been in town? I got here a day before yesterday. Hey, can you people out there hear him? Oh, You'll have to talk louder, Stanley. Come on, don't be afraid. I'm not afraid. Anybody arrested with you? Yeah. Fellow back there. Him. Number eight? Yeah. Who is he? Name's Jack something. Where'd you meet him? At the motel yesterday. Number eight? Jack Kiefer? I don't know. It sounds like it. I only met him yesterday. Any weapons? No. You don't own a gun? No, I don't. He had it. Car? Yeah. It's mine. What yeah. kind is it? Okay. 47 Ford Convertible, white sidewalk. How do you make your living? I'm a musician, drummer. Ben? I've hmm? worked for Hot a while, though, six over. weeks. Shooting in Park Hill. How old are you, Stanley? 19. A pretty good drummer? Pretty good, yeah. Should have stuck with it. I wish I had. 1738 North Albion. Victim's name, Alfred Brown. How bad is it? Dead when they found him, Ben. Ben. Hello, Asher. Around back. Happened in the basement. That's pretty awful. Shotgun case. Man next door found him. Reported about 940. I've got men covering the block. Okay. Anybody see it? No. Bill falls still on the victim. Over 200 in cash in it. Watch, ring, all that. Mm-hmm. Hey, what's that? Turpentine? Yeah. Pellets blasted a can on the shelf. Any windows? All open. Hello, Ben. Hi, Doc. He died instantly, Ben. It was fired point blank, less than ten foot range. Yeah. Mm. Well, looks it. Lord. It must have been up there. The blast knocked him clear back over there. Screens on those windows all shattered. Mm-hmm. Whoever did it had to step over him to get up these steps. Mm. This where it was? Yeah. Uh, Twelve gauge. Cartridge? Mm-hmm. Okay, who answered the call? 46 and 72. I want the reports tonight. Doc. Won't take long on this one. Okay. Who reported it, Asher? Well, man next door, Robert Presnell. Says Brown's wife at the movies with his wife. Doesn't know where Brown's son went tonight. Saunders down at the Nibbit. Presnell see the body? Yeah. Can he talk? He's okay. Hmm. Turpentine's up here, too. Yeah. Mr. Presnell? Huh? Oh. Uh, this is Lieutenant Guthrie. Oh, yes. Well, hello. Uh, have you told Lillian yet? Lillian? That's uh, Mrs. Brown? Yes. It... Does she know? Uh, we haven't located her yet. Oh, I don't know how she'll take it. Uh, I don't know. She's not very strong. Gee, what an awful thing to happen. Yeah. Well, you can help us a lot, Mr. Presnell, by telling us everything you know. Everything you can remember. Oh, I didn't think it was anything until I smelled the turpentine. How's that, Mr. Presnell? I was sitting in my living room listening to the ball game. I heard a noise like an explosion. It was kind of muffled, and I didn't think anything about it until I smelled that turpentine. Then I thought that maybe that some stuff I had downstairs had exploded or something in the heat, you know. Yeah. But everything was okay down there, and when I went outside, I could tell it was coming from Al's house. Then I smelled gunpowder. Al didn't answer the door when I knocked, and so I walked around to the back of the place. Uh, there was a light on in the kitchen, and I was pretty sure he was home. And then I saw there was a light on down the basement. Mm-hmm. Well, I knocked on the screen a couple of times, and then I called, and he answered me. So I, I looked down the stairs, and I saw his leg at the bottom of the stairs. I went down, then I came back, and I... Phoned the police. Was Mr. Brown dead? Well, sure he was dead. Did you examine him? Oh, no, 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 but, but I could tell. Just just the way he was. Mm-hmm. How about a smoke? Mm, no, 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 thank you. I don't use them. But tell me, uh, anybody besides you in your house tonight, Mr. Presnell? 
No, no, I was alone. Mm. You were alone in your house, and Mr. Brown was alone in this house. Is that it? Mm-hmm. Your wife went to the movies with Mrs. Brown. Uh, yes, yes, that's it. Do you know what time they left? Well, it was 8 or 8.30. Uh, I'm not sure. Mm-hmm. Well, now, think back. Before you heard the sound of explosion, did you hear voices? No. Car, maybe? No, no, nothing. Mm-hmm. Well, what about after one? No, not a thing. It's a, it's a very quiet neighborhood. Uh, have you set on loud, did you? Well, it was a ball game. Is, uh... Is that Mr. Brown's car in the driveway? Oh, you mean the little Chevy? No, that's, that's Bobby's car. Bobby? Mr. Brown's son? Uh-huh. Al has... Well, he had a Chrysler, a new one. Not around, then. Mm. Do you know what there is tonight, Mr. Presno? No, I don't, unless maybe Lillian and Alice used it to go to the movies. Pretty good friends, are they? Uh, your wife and Mrs. Brown? Well, neighbors. Yeah, yeah, we're good friends, I guess. How about you and Mr. Brown? Oh, yes. Neighbors, you know. Happen to notice if anyone came to visit him here tonight? No. no. What do you do, Mr. Presno? Hmm? Oh, I'm an accountant. I've got my own office uh, on Cedar Boulevard. I see. How long have you lived in Park Hill? Oh, six, seven years. We bought the house right after the war. See, that's the early part of uh, 47. And you've known Mr. Brown all that time? No, no, I didn't. You see, he didn't move here until a year ago. The uh, people named Hanley built the house, and he bought it from them. Mr. Brown always get along with people around here? Oh, sure, yes. Well, who lives on the other side? Well, the other side? Um, well, that's Abe Levy. He's an insurance man. He's out of town for the summer. He's retired. House vacant? Well, as far as I know. You saw the 12-gauge shotgun down in the basement, didn't you? Mm-hmm. It's Al's gun. Lillian gave it to him last Christmas. Ready to go here, Ben? Okay, Doc. I sure you are. Yeah, right, Ben. Are they... Are they taking him away? Yeah. Where? Town. To the morgue. Oh. Mr. Personnel, can you think of anybody who might have been angry with Mr. Brown? Someone he was having trouble with? Well, I told you, he got along with everybody around here. Well, yes, yes, I know, but, uh, I mean, somewhere else, uh, in his business, maybe. Oh, no, no. Well, he never said anything to me, anyhow. Oh, no! Well, that's Lillian. Now stay here. Oh, no, no. Brown, take it easy. No, that can't be, Al. That can't be you. You walked in on a cold, Ben. Oh, oh, no, it can't be. Now, let's get her outside. It can't right. be. Uh, Mrs. Brown, take my arm, will you? I want it. Uh, sure, yeah. Get it, Doc. Yeah, Ben. Oh, okay, let her down. Be right there. This is Sergeant Cargan, Mrs. Brown. How are you doing? Hello. A little coffee help, maybe? Oh, it's very kind of you, Sergeant. Cream and sugar? Black. There you go. Thank you. I, uh, wish we didn't have to do this, Mrs. Brown. No, I understand. You comfortable? Yes. I'm all right now. Did you have dinner at home with your husband? Yes. We just had cold things. Warm day, nothing much. About what time was that? Six, I guess. And then you went to the show with Mrs. Presnell later on? Yes. Your husband didn't want to go to the show? He doesn't care. Didn't care much for movies, no. Was Bobby home tonight to dinner? No, Al and I ate alone. I see. Bobby telephoned late in the afternoon that he wouldn't be home to dinner. He's good about things like that. Did he say where he was? I... No, I don't remember. Did he say where he was going to be tonight? I think he said he had a date or something. I don't know. <laughs> he doesn't know about his father yet. Easy now, easy. Uh, Pete, get that window in. Now tell me, uh, your son drives a Chevrolet coupe, is that right, Miss Brown? Yes. The same one that's in the driveway? Yes. I understand you have a new Chrysler in the family. Yes. You didn't take it to the movies? No, we walked. Do you suppose your son has it? 
Well, it's not inside the garage, and the Chevrolet's there. You suppose Bobby took it tonight? Maybe came back and got it? Oh, I, I would think so, although his father didn't let him drive the new car much, and he had his own. Was the Chevrolet in the driveway when you left? Oh, no, no, Bobby hadn't. You're sure, Mrs. Yes. Bobby's what, uh, 17? 16. High school? Tremont High. That's past two, Mrs. Brown. The officer stationed at the house says he hasn't shown up or phoned. You usually stay out late like this? No. No, and then, though, huh? Like all kids. He's very conscientious about things like that. I can't understand. Well, he'll it. show up. You have no idea where he is? He just said he had a date. I don't know what girls he takes out. Excuse me. Guthrie. Lab just finished on the gun, Ben. Three good prints. Yeah. They found two more on the basement door. Blood stained. Anything check out? Yeah, with the ones we got on the Chevy. They all belong to the boy. Friends, wherever you are, whatever you're doing, you'll enjoy chewing Wrigley's Spearmint Gum. Chew Wrigley's Spearmint while you're working. The lively, full-bodied flavor of Wrigley's Spearmint gives you a refreshing little lift. The smooth, pleasant chewing of Wrigley's Spearmint Gum helps keep you feeling relaxed and satisfied. Makes your job seem easier. Chew Wrigley's Spearmint Gum in your home, when you're out walking or driving, when you're enjoying outdoor sports and other activities. Wrigley's Spear tastes good anytime, and the natural chewing aids digestion and helps keep your teeth bright and attractive. Yes, wherever you are, whatever you're doing, you'll enjoy chewing Wrigley's Spearmint Chewing Gum. Healthful, refreshing, delicious. Now, back to the lineup. I got an APB out for the boy. You got a license number on the Chrysler? Yeah. Supplementary's checking. Shouldn't take too long. Well, it could have gone a long way by now. Yeah. M.E. finish? Mm-hmm. There it is. Collapse of... Huh. Ain't that something? He made sure. He sure did make sure. Come up. Want to come in here a minute? Right. Ugh. Gosh, I'm bushed. Yeah, me too. I'm getting hungry? Yeah. What's up? Murph and Crockett can go on out there. I want to call Asher and tell him to get back in. Okay. Right here. Well, what's this? Night number from Mrs. Brown's doctor. Better get him out of bed and tell him what's happened. Okay. Anything else? Oh, that'll make it. See you in the morning. Yeah. Night, Pete. Night. Night. How's Mrs. Brown? Oh, same. Doctor finally gave her something. We'd have to talk to her again. Yeah. Fresno thinks we're barking up the wrong tree. Told me how Bobby and his father play golf every Saturday. Always get along. Mm-hmm. Why do you think he'd do it, Ben? I'd like to ask him. Wouldn't we all? Well, let's do it. Yeah. Now, hold it. Huh. Hey, uh, got a quarter? Yeah. Yeah. Okay, I owe you. Oh, what? Hit it. I'm being robbed. It's my quarter. I'm being robbed. Oh, nuts. Well, I'll get it. Come on. Sergeant Carter. Okay, thanks. Arvada Division. They found the Chrysler parked in Rolls Boulevard. Out of gas. Oh, that was quick. How about the kid? Combing the area now. We better go on out. Yeah. How are you? This is Sergeant Cargan. Glad to meet you, sir. Same here. Sorry you had to make the trip. We could have sent him in. Prowl car picked him up 15 minutes ago. Hiding in a filling station restroom. I'll be done. Got him down here. Oh? Any trouble? No. Admitted who he was and said he killed his father. Anything else? 
Ah. What happened between them? I haven't found that out yet. Awful nice looking boy. I want about his age myself. Yeah. Oh, this is Lieutenant Guthrie and Sergeant Carter, Brown. Hello. Hello, son. I suppose. I suppose you're going to ask me the same things he asked me. Well, we're just going to try and clear this thing up, Bobby. What's it a clear up? I told him I killed him. I'll tell you. There isn't anything that has to be cleared up. You've got me. Well, that's pretty much what we know already. How did it happen, Bobby? I shot him with a 12 gauge tonight. I shot him dead. He deserved it. Why do you think he deserved it? I didn't say I think he deserved it. I know he did. <laughs> Yeah, I guess so, Bernie. Where do you want it? Here's all right. I'll park it. All right. All right, Bobby. Sure. Who's going to sign this? Oh, I will. Give me. Long night? Yeah. Yeah. Well, see you. Nothing. All clean, Ben. Okay. Thought you were taking me to jail. You're there. I mean, really in jail. This isn't any jail. You just want to get a few things straightened out before we... I told you in the car I haven't got anything to say that to say. Look, you've made that part of it pretty clear. There are just some facts we want to know. Nothing more. What do you mean? Well, what happened tonight? Now, look. You aren't going to leave here or us until we get them. Do you understand? You drive, Ben? No, nothing. Bobby? I don't want any. You got home around 9 o'clock. Is that about right? Yeah. You changed your clothes and got ready for your date? Yeah. Your father was home? You know that. Did you argue? Yes. Wouldn't he let you have the car? Oh, that wasn't it at all. That wasn't anywhere near it. Then what was it? Oh, it doesn't matter to you people, to anyone. It's between him and me. I don't know you. You don't know me. I'm... There isn't any reason for asking me things like that. I've told you what you need to arrest me. Look, don't... Please, just don't try to make me tell you because I won't tell you. We don't want to make you do anything, Bobby. You've done enough already. It's just that it'll all come out sooner or later. It might be better for you to tell us about it now. Was there something at school? No, it was nothing at school. Getting along all right in school, eh? Sure. What year are you in? I'm a junior. Oh, I don't suppose you smoke yet. No, I don't. I won't ever. Mm-hmm. Uh, match, Ben. Uh, here you go. Thanks. Look, fellas, I'm awful tired. What happens now? That's up to the court. I mean, what happens tonight? Now, do I spend the rest of the night in jail or here? Yeah, Ben. I got Bobby Brown in my office. Can you take him over to the main jail and book him now? Be right up. Lieutenant, who found him? Your father? Yeah. Mr. Presnell. Does he look pretty bad? You know how close you were when you pulled the trigger? Yeah, but I didn't look at him when I... Where's Mom? Hospital. What? She's sick? How do you think she'd be, Bobby? Son she loved and cared for all her lives. Killed her husband. What kind of a life has your mother got to look forward to now? Did you think about that? Better than with him. I don't understand that. She will. She'll understand it. Your mother? Sure. If you'd seen her the way I saw her tonight, I don't think you'd say that. 
I don't think you'd say that at all. She feels pretty bad. I'd give her her. For your mother? I wouldn't take it because of her. She knew that it was going on, that it had been going on ever since we moved from Chicago. And she didn't say anything to him about it. But you didn't, is that it? When I came in tonight, he was talking to that woman on the phone. He was telling her he loved loved her right in Mom's house. Oh. I've seen him with her a couple of once I was at the movies with my girl, we ran into them in the lobby. My own dad out with someone who wasn't my mother. This what started it tonight? I told him he had to stop it, and he said I should mind my own business that I didn't understand. Then he slapped me. I went down to the basement. I don't know why. We were in the kitchen, and I guess it was the closest place to run to. He followed me down. He came for me. Did he attack you, Bobby? Try to hurt you? He, he tried to put his arms around me and make up. He wanted to make up, but he didn't want to stop seeing her. <laughs> okay, Ben. Yeah. Almost four, Ben. Want a lift? Thanks. I'll walk. Yeah. Night, Pete. Night, Ben. Remember, friends, Wrigley's Spearmint Chewing Gum refreshes you. Wrigley's Spearmint Chewing Gum gives you real chewing enjoyment. The lively, full-bodied flavor of Wrigley's Spearmint cools your mouth, freshens your taste, sweetens your breath. The smooth, pleasant chewing of Wrigley's Spearmint helps keep you feeling relaxed and satisfied, makes whatever you're doing more enjoyable. Yes, for refreshment plus chewing enjoyment, Treat yourself often to Wrigley's Spearmint Chewing Gum. Millions enjoy it daily. Get a few packages and always keep some handy. That's Wrigley's Spearmint Chewing Gum. Healthful, refreshing, delicious. The lineup. For before you pass the innocent, the vagrant, the thief, the murderer... Listen again next week when the makers of Wrigley's Spearmint Chewing Gum again bring you the lineup. May I have your attention, please? You people out there on the other side of the wire in the audience room, may I have your attention, please? Thank you. My name is Cogger, Sergeant Pete Cogger. I'll explain the lineup to you. Each of the suspects you will see will be numbered. I'll call off a number, their name, and charge. If you have any questions or identifications, please remember the number assigned to the prisoner as I call his name. At the end of each line, when I ask for questions or identifications, call out the number. If you're sure or not too sure, the suspect have him held. The officers are ready. The lineup, starring Bill Johnstone as Lieutenant Ben Guthrie, with Jack Moyles as Sergeant Pete Carger, was written by E. Jack Newman, with music by Eddie Dunstetter. Featured in tonight's cast were High Everback, Peter Leeds, Harry Lang, Sidney Milton McNear, Virginia Gregg, Gil Stratton Jr., and Jim Nusser. The lineup was transcribed in Hollywood by Jaime Del Valle. This is the CBS Radio Network.
Let's take a minute to check in with Brenda and Covina on their blind date. Our show opens with the answer to a request from three corporals, initials J.J., P.W., and J.H.E., on a mine flotilla somewhere in the South Pacific. For them, we are happy to present two young ladies with a sense of humor as sharp as a hatchet and faces to match. Brenda and Covina. Tonight, Brenda and Cabina, those two glamour goons, have a blind date with two lucky privates from the Southern California sector. Let's run up to their apartment and see what's detaining them. Brenda, what is it, Cabina? Oh, gee, isn't it exciting getting dressed to go out on a blind date? Yeah, I love blind dates, don't you? Blind or sober, as long as they're men. I'm talking about soldiers. Oh, soldiers? You mean a soldier's going to go out with you? Yeah. Boy, Sherman was right, wasn't he? Oh, yeah? Well, I feel sorry for the soldiers that got to go out with you. They not only got to peel potatoes, they got to go out with one. <laughs> Brenda, how dare you say that? After all, I was once a beauty contest winner. Sure, you won a beauty contest, but who was in it? Not even people. <laughs> oh, you should talk with your face. What's the matter with my face? It looks like an unconfirmed report. <laughs> You think you're so smart ever since you ran over that chap with his own lawnmower. <laughs> let's not fight. Come on, let's finish dressing. Oh, how do you like my long winter underwear? Very pretty. But your escape hatch is open. <laughs> I hope the boys get here soon. Otherwise, we'll be out all night and... Oh, I'll be late for work in the morning. Oh, by the way, how do you like your new job out at Lockheed? <laughs> Fine. You know, I think the foreman likes me. Yeah? How can you tell? Yesterday when I passed by, he pinched me. <gasps> pinched you? Hard? Sure, he used a pair of pliers. <laughs> Now, stop talking and get dressed. Oh, dear. Where's my big Spanish comb? Over there, with your manila hair. <laughs> oh, I feel so romantic tonight. I was romantic last night, too. You know, I was out with the Marines. You were? Yeah, and I pretended I was a beautiful blonde spy, just to see if I could get some military information out of him. Yeah? Did you get any military information out of him? No, I was lucky to get a short beer. <laughs> date last night, too, with a sailor. And I found out something about the fleet. The sailor told you something about the fleet? Yeah. You know where all our big ships are? No, where? In the water. <laughs> Marty. Now, look, Brenda, when these soldiers come to call for us, do you think we ought to go out or sit here in the apartment in front of the fire? Oh, it's a lovely fire, isn't it? I'll say. Too bad we haven't got a fireplace. <laughs> You know, I've got a wonderful idea. When the boys get here, we'll show them these pictures we took last summer in our bathing suits. Sex. <laughs> yeah, that's a good idea. Show this one of me in my bathing suit right here. Look, what do you think of it? How many days were you in the water? <laughs> that's not a very nice thing to say, Cobina. Everybody on the beach said I look like Veronica Lake. Oh, I know you've been trying to look like Veronica Lake, but you got it backwards. Backwards? How? Well, you've got one eye combed down over your hair. Well, well, we can't all be perfect. Oh, you know, the boys ought to be here pretty soon. What time is this? I don't know. The clock stopped. I better wind it. Never mind winding it. Stop looking at it. Oh, gee, I'm so excited. How do I look? Well, all right, but uh, your slip is showing. It is? Yeah, you can still see the sign fragile. Use no hooks. <laughs> Oh, gosh, I wish those soldiers would hurry. Oh, yeah, me too. Oh, gee. That, that must be the boys now. I'll, I'll open the door. Oh, oh, it's George Raft. Oh, hello, girls. Uh, a man in uniform gave me this government letter for you. Oh, but maybe it's from those soldiers. I'll see what it says. But, 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 gee, where's Brenda? What is it, Cobina? How do you like that? We passed our physical. We're both 1A. <laughs>
Thank you, Brenda and Cabiner. And now on to Jack Benny. For those of you who know Jack Benny's uh, band leader was Phil Harris, well, this show is about how Jack discovered Phil Harris. So we're off to hear about it from January 4th, 1945. This is How Jack Met Phil Harris. The Jack Benny Program, starring Jack Benny with Barry Livingston, Phil Harris, Rochester, Larry Stevens, and yours truly, Don Wilson. Star of stage, screen, radio, and eggs died or laid as the occasion demands. Rochester, this is Miss Livingston. I'd like to speak to Mr. Benny, please. Oh, I'm sorry, Miss Livingston. I, I wouldn't want to disturb the Admiral now. Rochester, what are you talking about? Haven't you heard? Mr. Benny's been made an Admiral. Jack Benny, an Admiral? Are you surprised? Surprised? Rochester, I knew we were winning, but this is ridiculous. <laughs> Livingston, but I saw it in the paper. He got the commission from Governor Griswold of Nebraska. Gee. And Mr. Benny is now a full-fledged admiral in the Nebraska Navy. In the Nebraska... Oh, I get it. He's an imaginary admiral in an imaginary navy. Yeah, but he's taking it seriously. He made me sew gold stripes on his blue serge suit. Oh, for heaven's sake. Rochester, how many stripes did he make you sew on? I don't know, but you could cut the sleeves off at the elbow and he'd still be a full admiral. (laughs) (laughs) Goodbye. Goodbye. Maneuvers. I'd better get him away from that bathtub before he messes up the whole room. Oh, Mr. Benny. Say, boss. Oh, Admiral. What? <laughs> oh, uh, oh, it's you, Rochester. Uh, glad to have you aboard. Uh, batten down the hatch and sit down. Uh, uh, what do you want? Your breakfast is getting cold down on the lower deck. Well, I can't, uh, I can't leave now. I'm about to engage the enemy. Now watch. The enemy fleet is over here. Boss, don't splash water on that bath mat. Quiet. Now I swing my carriers around like this and bring my destroyers over to this side and encircle them. There you are, Rochester. Now, if you were the enemy and I had you surrounded like that, what would you do? I'd pull out the plug and ground every ship you got. (laughs) 
Don't be silly. Being an admiral in the Nebraska Navy is serious business. Aye, aye, sir. And anyway, I'm proud of my appointment. In fact, I'm sorry I didn't stay with her when I was in the service 24 years ago. Yes, sir. Military life is a life for me. And those promotions... Now, Rochester, help me take my fleet out of the bathtub and now, then... Oh, we'll... so say, boss, I meant to tell you, Miss Livingston called... Oh, yes, yes. I better get ready. Boss, if you're going out, don't you think you ought to take off those medals? Huh? Oh, 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 well, half of them on your right side, you're listening to poet. Oh, yes, yes. Say, I just happened to think of something. I promised to take my girl, Gladys Nabisco, too. I'll pick her up on the way to Miss Livingston. I hope Gladys and Mary are ready when I pick them up. Gladys Zabisco. I've been going with her now for nine years. Oh, hello there, children. Hello, mister. Hello. You know who I am, don't you, children? I'm Jack Denny. Yes, we know. You tell us every time you see us. <laughs> oh, oh, yes, yes. <laughs> you want to know something? Last night, our mother and father were talking about you. Really? Yeah, they thought we were asleep. Oh, <laughs> uh, uh, well, so long, children. Bye, Mr. Benny. Hey, sis, what? He looks a lot older than 36, doesn't he? Uh, did you say something, Sonny? No, no, goodbye. Goodbye. Yum, da dum da dum bum dum dum da dum See, they're cute, kid. But that little boy looks a lot older than seven. Well, hello, Don. Where are you going? Uh, I'm on my way down to the express office, Jack, to pick up a set of encyclopedias. A set of encyclopedias? Yeah, and I've just got to tell you, Jack. I sent in two questions to a quiz program, and boy, did I stump those experts. Well, so long, Don. So long, Jack. <laughs> hey, I like Don Wilson and his sly commercials. The way he tricks me into keeping my job. Really. <laughs> I better sing slower. I can't walk that fast. <laughs> oh, darn it. I meant to call Larry Stephen before I left the house and find out what he was going to sing on the program this evening. When I talked to Phil, he told me about the arrangement. I remember he said they were they were going to use a harp and four violins. I remember he said that too. Hey, that's going to be kind of nice. You know, with the harp in the background and the violins playing the soft melody. Yep, yep, it ought to be a beautiful number. Someone was always in my dreams That someone was always you I never thought we'd meet someday But now that my dream came true I just want the right 
Yep, I bet that'll be beautiful, that song. Oh, Mr. Benny. Huh? Oh, oh, it's you, Mr. Kern. <laughs> How's the newspaper business? Oh, fine, fine. Funny, I always seem to run into you on the street. Well, I was just going over to your house to thank you for those stories you gave me. Oh, you mean how I found Mary Livingston? Mm-hmm, and how you found Rochester. Well, I'm glad you liked them. You know, those first two articles were very successful. And now my editor is interested in knowing how you found Phil Harris. Phil Harris? That's right. Well, well, okay. Uh, walk along with me, Mr. Kearns, and I'll give you the whole story. All right. You see, it was ten years ago that I first met Phil Harris. I remember the day well because it was Mary's birthday, and I wanted to show her a nice time. So I got all dressed up and went over to her house and let her make dinner for me. <laughs> and the meal was delicious. I remember we had thick sirloin steaks, smothered in onions, and stripped with bacon. Yes, sir. That was ten years ago. <laughs> Gosh, Mary, this is a terrific meal. Well, thank you, Jack. Gee, the steak is so tender and so easy to cut. Gee, it just melts in your mouth. Jack, put on your glasses. You're eating the butter. <laughs> well, anyway, Mary, it was sweet of you to invite me over to your apartment for dinner. And wait till you see the bottle of champagne I brought you for a birthday present. You know, you've heard of those famous imported champagnes like Vintage Premier and Chateau Calais. Yes. Well, this is a new brand. Savan Oop. <laughs> You know, uh, Mary, I was just thinking. Here it is, 1935, and it's been three years since I put you on my radio program. It's been over three years. Yep. Say, Mary, what would you do if I gave you a little raise? I'd quit my job at the May Company. <laughs> Don't worry, Mary, you just stick with me, and in another two or three years, you won't have to work at the May Company. Except maybe Saturdays. Huh? <laughs> the day will come. Please. Well, let's not talk about that, Zach. The evening's young, and it's my birthday, so let's do something. Well, uh, I was going to suggest something. What? Well, first, let's go over and sit on the sofa. Uh-huh. And we'll snuggle up close to each other. Uh-huh. Then we'll turn the lights down low. Uh-huh. Then we'll tell ghost stories. <laughs> How about it? Well, Mama warned me about everything but this. <laughs> what? Jack, why don't we go out somewhere? Let's go to the Coconut Grove. Well, maybe we... Hey, wait a minute, Mary. I've got an idea. There's a nightclub way downtown on North Figueroa Street, and there's a new band playing there. Let's see, what's the name of that band again? Oh, yes. Phil Harris and his syncopated serenaders from the Solid South. <laughs> Phil Harris? I've never heard of him. Well, he's just coming up, and I'd like to go hear him, Mary, because, you know, I need a new orchestra for my program. All right, let's go. Okay, now let's see. Where's that nightclub now? Oh, yes, on Figueroa, about six miles east of the La Brea Tar Pit. <laughs> Come on, Mary. Here it is, Mary. This is the place. Holy smoke, what a nightclub. This is an awful joint. Well, Mary, you can't tell anything about it from the outside. Yeah, but look at the name of it, the Ruiz Club. So what? Ruiz spelled backwards is sewer. <laughs> All right, what's the difference? Huh? And look, Jack, you have to go down these stairs. Yeah. Okay, let's go down. Watch your step, Mary. <laughs> Rest. If I go down any farther, I'll get the bends here. I think we hit bottom, Jack. Here's the door. Oh, yes. Well, that guy Harris knows all the new tunes, doesn't he? People dance on that bare ground. They probably sprinkle water on it to make it slippery. And it helps keep the dust on, too, you know. 
Let's find a table. Uh, maybe that man will get us one. Oh, yes. Uh, pardon me, are you a waiter? Well, what do you think I am with this napkin over my arm? A clothesline? <laughs> oh, I'm sorry, but you're dressed too nice to be working in a joint like this. No. Oh, you mean these striped pants and this Prince Albert coat? Well, you see, I wear these clothes on my other job. Other job? Yes, I'm an undertaker's assistant. <laughs> oh. It was my idea to put the candles on the table. <laughs> Hmm. And now would you like me to find a table and lay you out? I mean, seat you? Yes, yes, please. Come on, Mary. Ah, here we are. Now, uh, what would you like to eat? Uh, nothing, thanks. We just came in to hear the band. Yeah. Well, you might as well order something. There's a minimum charge of 35 cents. Uh, 35 cents? Well, I'll have a chicken sandwich and a combination salad. And I'll have a steak sandwich and french fried potatoes. Anything to drink? No. You might as well. You've got 15 cents to go. <laughs> Uh, well, bring us coffee. Imagine that waiter, an undertaker's assistant. Jack, look, the show's about to start. Good, I'm anxious to hear this guy, Phil Harris. Hi, you folks, and a good, good evening to each and every one of you. <clears throat> now, <laughs> welcome to our little club. This is your orchestra leader and master of the ceremonies, the one and only Phil Harris. Are you glad to see me? Sir, thank you, thank you, and we have a very lovely crowd here tonight. Hey, Mary, he's got a nice personality, you know? We'll see. And speaking of crowd folks, a funny thing happened to me on the way to the club tonight. The panhandler stopped me and said, pardon me, mister, can you let me have $1,000.05 for a cup of coffee? So I said to him, I said, look, coffee only costs a nickel. What do you do? What do you want a thousand bucks for? So he says to me, it's going to kill you, folks. <laughs> he says to me, well, I got to pay my income tax, don't I? <laughs> No, lady, don't explain it to him. If he don't get it, just let him suffer. Let him lay it. Don't wake him up. <laughs> hey, Mary. Mary, did you get it? I got it all over me. <laughs> Quiet. This guy's good. He's and, good. And uh, here's another one, folks. Uh, this will embalm you. <laughs> embalm you. Uh, did somebody call for me? <laughs> Quiet. Quiet. Get this, folks. A guy walked up to me today and said, Hey, Harris, uh, where'd you get the black eye? So I told him it was a birthmark. And he said, a birthmark? And I said, yeah, I got it in the wrong birth. <laughs> oh, yes, folks, it's just natural with me. Just natural. <laughs> yes, it's natural. Yes, just natural. Now we're rolling all new stuff here. Hey, Mary. Stuff. Hey, Mary. Mary, this guy is terrific. No, really, he'd be great on the radio. He's got something new, something different. Oh, you say that every time you see a man with hair. <laughs> oh, you just don't know class. Now, folks, for the high spot of the show, I'm going to sing a song I wrote myself entitled, That's What I Like About the Song. Hey, I bet this will be good. You know that, man? Come with me to Alabama. Let's go see my dear old mammy. She's frying eggs and broiling hammy. That's what I like about the South. Hey, man, now there you can't make no mistakey. Where those dirt are never shaky. Off the taste of lay a cakey. That's what I like about the South. Oh, I gotta hire She's got time. baked ribs and candied yams. Those sugar-cured Virginia hams. Way down south in Alabama. And that's what I like about the South. Hot cornbread and black-eyed peas. You can eat as much as you please. Hey, Coffee snap his fingers. And that's what I like about the South. Ah, don't take one. Have two. They're dark brown and chocolate, too. Suits me. They must suit you, because that's what I like about the South. Yes, now. Thank you. Thank you. Yes, sir. Never alone in the club. Well, folks, that concludes our first floor show, but don't go away. There'll be another sensational show in five minutes. <laughs> Mary, I don't care what you say. That guy Harris would be great on my program. I'm going to get him over here. Hey, waiter, waiter. Yeah. Will you please bring the, um... <laughs> will, uh, will you please bring the orchestra leader over to my table? I'm sorry. He doesn't come with the 35-cent dinner. <laughs> Never mind the wisecracks. Bring him over here. All right, all right. I don't know, Mary. This guy Harris has a great personality. Hey, Finger ants, also cupid dolls, gardenias, and razor blades. 
Imagine razor blades. Oh, miss, give me a pack of cigarettes, please. Yes, sir. What kind? Oh, by the way, miss, what's that you've got on your tray there, tied up in pink ribbon? That's a lock of Mr. Harris's hair, 20 cents. <laughs> Well, I don't want it. You better take it. This is the last one left, and we don't share them again till the first of the month. No. No, thanks. Just the same. Say, Mary, she's kind of cute. Oh, you fall for it. Wait a minute. Wait a minute. Here comes Phil Harris. Now, Mary, I want to make an impression on him, and I want you to help me sign him for my show. Tell him what a good boss I am and how swell it is to work on the radio. And above above all, what a wonderful guy I am personally, you know? Oh, but Jack... Here he comes, huh? Hey, uh, I understand one of you characters want to see me. Why, yes, uh, yes, sit down. This is Miss Livingston. Hiya, sweets. Mm. And uh, my name is Jack Benny. Look, bud, I ain't got much time. What did you want to see me about? Well, I wanted to talk to you about a job. A job? Yeah. Well, look, fella, I know things are tough, but uh, I can't use you. I, I, don't, I don't want no new help. Just... No, no, I don't mean that. You see, I have a radio program, and I'd like you and your band to be on my show. Well, I don't know. You see, I've Oh, been but here... he's a wonderful man to work for. He's the nicest boss I ever had. He's just a ginger peachy boss. So pleasant, so gentle. Mary, you're I'm overdoing it. And stop... Stop licking my hand. Now, Mr. Harris... Uh, just call me Curly. Oh. Till the first of the month. Oh. Oh, yes, the cigarette girl told me. Now, Mr. Harris, radio is a different type of work. Uh, you read music, of course. Huh? <laughs> music, notes, arrangement. What's that on your music rack? Termites, the joint's lousy with them. <laughs> Oh, Harris, how could you be so young and bright when it's so dark down here? You see, Mary, this guy is terrific. Oh, look, I'm only kidding. I've been studying music since I was a baby. Why, when I was six years old, my parents used to take me to the concerts at Carnegie Hall. A six-year-old kid interested in Carnegie Hall? Well, they told me it was a burlesque show. A burlesque show? Yeah, how I used to whistle when they took the cover off of the bass fiddle. <laughs> Hey, Mary, this guy's got a terrific sense of humor. He'll probably be able to write my gags for me. I'll settle if he can just write. <laughs> now, look, Harris, I want you on my program, so if you'll meet me Sunday morning, he'll... Uh... Uh, wait, excuse me a minute. The second floor show's about to start, and I've got to introduce the singer. Oh, I'll wait till you're through. You know, Mary, I think this fellow's... Hey, a... Jack, look who's going to sing, the cigarette girl. Oh, yes. Say, she's cute, you know. And now, folks, I want to introduce our singer, the sweetest little lady this side of Pismo Beach, Miss Trixie Laverne, who will sing a Mahelen Collie Baby. <laughs> You hear me calling when the rain and ammo falling. <laughs> why every day the sun is shining? Why should I be home a pine? Mary, I'm a sucker for sentimental songs. <laughs> hey, Harris! Harris, come here a minute. Yeah? Say, that girl singer you've got isn't bad. That Trixie Laverne. Well, look, that's just her stage name. Her real name is Gladys Nabisco. <laughs> Gladys Nabisco, eh? Say, that's a pretty name, too. You know, I kind of like that, babe. Oh, come on, Jack. Let's get out of here. Why, Mary, you're jealous. <laughs> oh, fine. Hey, Harris, don't forget Sunday. I'll be there. So long, Jackson. You hear that, Mary? He called me Jackson. No one ever called me that before. All, All right, right folks. Go. Here's come a brand new number I wrote myself called That's What I Like About This House. <laughs> Come with me to Alabama. Let's go see my dear old mammy. She's frying eggs and falling ham. That's what I like about this And that, and that, Mr. Kearns, is how I met Phil Harris. Well, that really is a story. And I must say, Mr. Kearns, that Phil has been very fortunate in being associated with a great star like myself. A man who's been on the radio for so many years and who every year almost wins the Academy. Oh, pardon me, Mr. Bell. 
That's it for this week. We'll be back next week with more old-time radio. I hope you can join us then. Till then, this is Jim Dolan thanking you for listening.